0: Good morning. Wow. You guys had a great morning so far? Okay. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, well, my name is Ike Unger, and I'm the lead pastor here at Deer Run Church, and I want to welcome you all here. I think there's some in the um, the overflow, and so if you're here with us, um, thank you for being here with us. We have an exciting day, and I want to just take a few minutes now, or more than a few minutes. Some of you are like, yes, it's going to be a short sermon, but we're going to take A few hours now and just go over some of this stuff. But um, we've been going through this series bold and we are this Sunday and next Sunday and we're done. But I thought as we sang that last song, I'm like, man, that is so beautiful and how that ties in with what we want to talk about today. Um, That, you know, God never lets us down. And I hope that as you sang that, um, you weren't just simply saying a few words or singing a few words that were on the screen Um, I hope that as you sang that, it became something that began to resonate with you more and more and more. And I know sometimes, you know, we may say, well, why do we sing some of these lines over and over? And I think lines like that, sometimes we need to sing over and over. And I would actually love for all of you to have those words and those lyrics, um, you know, stuck in your head. Because here's the thing, you are all going to have moments in your life where you're going to feel like God has maybe let you down. You're going to maybe feel like life has let you down. Someone will have let you down, I guarantee you. But I want you to know today, God will never let you down. He is with you always. He is with you no matter what you're going through. And so that ties in so well with our series today, um, the bold series that we're talking about. But it also fits really well because today I want to talk to us about faith. Um, you know, when we talk about being bold, sometimes we may have thought about, you know, us just doing things and, and certain actions and, and certain behaviors and things like that, but what, what we need to focus on today is is the whole concept of being, you know, bold, but only, that we can only do that through faith. So over the last few weeks, we've looked at the story of David and Goliath, and we've been very intentional on in just pulling little snippets out of the story. We have purposely not told you the whole story in one shot. Why? Because... It's such a familiar story to most of us. We know that if we start telling the story from the beginning to end, you're just kind of going to throw into, go into motion, and you're just going to be like, oh yeah, and then this happens, and this happens, and this happens. But what we've done instead is intentionally just pull a little snippet out of the the story. And today we really want to look at only like one verse. And we're going to use a bunch of other verses, but I want to look at one verse today and focus on that. So we've been very intentional also. Are not over-spiritualizing the story. We've talked about the humanity of David. We talked about the fact that maybe David took five stones, and there's a lot of theories around this, but we talked about the fact maybe David took five stones because he was worried that he could miss. Because if we've so spiritualized the story that we look at David and say he had no chance of losing, then we really can't relate to David at all. So here's what we've been trying to do really hard, and this is the goal of my preaching, is I don't want to over-spiritualize characters in the Bible. God is the only one who deserves that privilege. Every single person in the Bible was a real human being. God used David, God used Moses, God used all these other people in the Bible. So what we do sometimes is we so spiritualize these individuals that we can't even relate to them. So then we say something like, you can be bold like David. In your mind you say, well David is so spiritual, I can't even connect with him, I can't even relate to him. So therefore it really doesn't resonate with me. What you need to know today is David was a person like you. He could fail like you, he did fail like you. He made made mistakes. He had weaknesses. But what you're going to see is in this story, you see him do something that he could have only done by being empowered by God, and we're going to look at that next week. So I hope that as you look at the story, what you don't see is just these superhuman beings, but what you see is normal human beings just like you. But you begin to recognize that if God can use them, God can use you. I think the reason that Sometimes the people, people feel that the Bible is so you know, out of their league is because of this exact thing that we just talked about. we have so spiritualized individuals that people read the Bible and they're like, I don't connect with this because I'm not as spiritual as those people. Anyway, that's the heart of my, my preaching. So my desire in my preaching uh, in this series and always is to bring the humanity out of Scripture so that you feel that you can relate to this. Now, I don't know if any of you have ever heard of the um, African Impala. You can throw that picture on the screen. Um, this is a, a beautiful little animal that isn't wanting to show up on... There we go. Um, here's a few little bit of information. I'm by no means an African pala expert, but uh, this is what Wikipedia told me and also a few other sites. Um, the, 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 this creature can jump 10 feet high and cover a distance of more than 30 feet. So I, this stage is 10 feet deep, so it gives you an exa- a rough picture, I think, you know, how high the thing can jump, and it can jump three times the width of this stage. And so this little animal has quite the leap, and you can research YouTube videos on this and, and you see them, they just, they just fly, it's, it's quite amazing. Um, but here's the interesting thing, an African impala can be kept in a zoo, and they don't have to have a massive fence, they don't have to have, you know, all kinds of crazy barricades for this thing, as a matter of fact, all they need is a three-foot fence. And they can keep an animal that can jump 10 feet high, 30 feet in distance, and they can keep that thing trapped with a three-foot fence. Anybody want to guess how they do it? No, they don't tie it down. Nothing like that. They do absolutely nothing to the animal. Anybody want to guess what they do? I know you're all, you're all anxiously waiting to speak up. But let me tell you, all they have to do is they have to build a fence in such a way that the impella cannot see where it will land. And if it cannot see where it will land, it will not jump. And so the easiest way to keep that animal trapped is simply put up a a three-foot fence. This thing can jump ten feet high, so you do the math. It can jump three times the height of that fence. It would have no problem clearing the distance of the fence, obviously. But if they cannot see the other side of that fence, they will not jump. I want you to keep that image in your mind as we talk about faith. Because I think for a lot of us, that's how our faith is. We think that, well, I'm going to have faith in God. I'm going to do these things, but only if I can, if I can see where this is going to take me. Look at what he, um, Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1. This is the definition of faith according to the Bible. Now, faith is being confident in what we hope for and assured about what we do not see. It's confidence in what we hope for, and it's assurance in what we do not see. So I think for a lot of people, their faith is limited to what they can see, which in fact isn't faith. For a lot of people, they're like, man, I want to place my faith in God. I want to be obedient to God. I want God to use me. But their faith in God is limited to what they understand about God. It's limited to what what they think God is asking them to do. And as soon as it goes beyond what they themselves feel that they are comfortable with, with, it goes beyond what they themselves can see, all of a sudden, they're not willing to trust. And in some ways, I think it's similar to this impella. Here they are. All they need to do is trust and leap. They can overcome the bar- barriers. They can overcome the boundaries. They can overcome the obstacles. But because they are not willing to take a leap beyond what they can see, they're trapped. And so yet we are called in Scripture to live by faith. 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And if you have your Version Bible, the notes are in there. You can follow along that way if you have your, Bible, your apps with you or your phones with you. 2 uh, Corinthians chapter 5 verse 7 says this, for we, for we live by faith, not by sight. So what does this look like? What does it look like to live by faith? What does it look like to, to live our lives in such a way that even what we don't know, even what we don't see, even the things that we hope for, we're going to treat them in our lives as if they are a reality. Well, I think the story of David and Goliath is a great example for us. You cannot be bold without some element of faith. Okay? You cannot be bold without some element of faith. Listen to the dictionary um, that defines faith. It says this, Showing an ability to take risks, confidence, and being courageous. Okay, Remember, this is from our first sermon, the very first sermon we talked about this, that being bold is an ability, showing an ability to take risks, to be confident, to have courage in the midst of those difficult moments. That is more than just doing actions. That is more than just overcoming certain things. That is more than just a behavior. That will require an element of faith. So I want to take us back really quickly and just look at the first sermon again because in the first sermon, in that series, we talked about some of the culprits that are going to hinder us from you know, being bold. We talked about how overthinking You know, a situation, we become self-critical, we become people-pleasers, and all of these things are focused on us, us doing what we think we want to do, us thinking, doing what we think we are capable of, us thinking about what we think other people are going to be okay with, and these remove the need for faith, okay? When we are self-critical, when we become people-pleasers, when we overthink, almost always it's done in the mindset of, what am I capable of? Well, if you're an overthinker, you're not overthinking saying, what does God want me to do here? Most often, an overthinker, someone who thinks things through too hard, is thinking, can I do this? Can I do this? Can I do this? So when we overthink, it, it becomes a stumbling block for us. So we said one of the ways, or a few of the ways to ramp up our faith is to listen to our hearts, to set priorities, to take action, and finally be willing to fail. This is one thing that I preach often. I want us as a church To be willing to fail. Now, if you hear me saying we're going to take ridiculous risks where we're going to be irresponsible, that's not it at all. But to say we want to do things that at times we're not sure they're going to work. And there's so many ministries in this church that started as a result of someone saying, you know what, what if, what if this would work and we took a chance, we were willing to fail, and that requires faith. I'm going to say this cautiously, if you're the individual that says I'm never taking any risk because I cannot fail, you probably struggle with some insecurities and things like that, but one of the other things I would challenge you to con- think, th- consider is how great is your faith? Because being willing to fail requires us to, be, to take um, a risk and to trust God in what we are not capable of doing. So turn in your Bibles to 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we're going to look at this short, small segment of the story. And so most often so far what we've done is we've looked at the obstacles that David had to overcome. His brothers were discouraging him, basically telling him to go home. Saul had no you know, confidence in David. He told him he had no um, experience. And then he tried to bog him down with all of his armor. And what we want to do today is we want to look at the steps that David took in faith. Not trying to be someone he's not. Not trying to do something that he wasn't. He's just being himself. He's trusting God. So 1 Samuel chapter 17, and we looked last week. Remember, Saul tried to put all of David, his armor on David, and, and David's like, "I'm not used to these things," and so he took them off. Now look at the next thing he did, verse 40. Then David took his staff in his hand, chose five smooth stones from the stream, put them in the pouch of his shepherd's bag, and with his sling in hand, in his hand, approached the Philistine. Now we need Pastor Peter back for this because we need him to visualize this and make us a video so you can all picture this. But I want you to listen again to what David did. Remember all the drama before this. He gets summoned to the king. They put all the stuff on him. They give him a big old pep talk and David's walking around, you know, trying out all the armor. And then David's like, I'm not used to this. And he takes all of that off. And we talked last week about how that stuff possibly represented all of Saul's baggage he took all of that off now listen again to what David does his step of faith then he took his staff in his hand chose five smooth stones from the stream put them in the pouch of a shepherd bag and with his sling in hand approached the Philistine now if you were to put that verse into one word what word would you use to describe this There's possibly a lot of words, but I love taking passages and trying to put them into one word. And one word that immediately came to mind here was, it's just simple. Think about it. It's just a simplistic approach. There wasn't anything big. There wasn't anything dramatic. There wasn't anything, you know, that was outrageous. It wasn't this loud thing. Here's a guy, a teenager, who just goes over to the stream, quietly picking up stones, puts them in his pouch. He has what? The tools he's used to. And he takes what he has and in a very simple way approaches his giant. I love that image because I think so often when we think about faith, when we think about conquering our giants, we think it's got to be this blown out of proportion moment in our lives. Some of you are going to fight your giants tonight. Some of you are going to fight your giants tomorrow. And all you need is the simple tools you have, who you are, and God's going to use that. He's already equipped you and given you what you need to overcome your giants. So David has this incredible faith that says that what I have and what God's given me is enough. So it's possible that sometimes we make having faith in God far too complicated. I want to be careful here, but I think it's important for us to recognize that what David did mostly was what came natural to him. But he did it now in a sense of obedience to overcome a giant that was threatening the people of Israel. So if you picture being bold or having faith in God requiring you to be the superhuman being, that's not what we see in Scripture. So often these people who are obedient to God and, and live these extraordinary lives of faith did the things that God had designed them, and then it was God who did the amazing things through them. The people themselves really didn't do anything all that extraordinary. So every single one of us here, when we think about being bold, we need to focus not on us having to do these amazing things, but by us taking those simple early steps and saying, God, I will do what you have called me to do, I will be who you've called me to be, and I will open myself up so that you can use me To do amazing things. Look at Ephesians chapter 6 verses 12. It says, For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the power of this dark world, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. David understood that his battle was not just physical. David recognized that there was a spiritual aspect of this battle. But here's the thing. Goliath was oblivious to this. Goliath was completely blind to the fact that he was going up against not just one human being, but he was going up against the God of Israel, the God of the universe. He was oblivious to the fact that he wasn't only fighting a man, he was fighting against God. Look at Goliath's approach, verse 41. Meanwhile, the Philistine, with his shield bearer in front of him, kept coming closer to David. Drama, all this stuff, i got to have all these things. Look at that. He looked David over and saw that he was little more than a boy, glowing with health and handsome, and he despised him. Goliath despised the simplicity, the, the, the approach that David had taken. He couldn't stand the fact that he wasn't worthy of some mighty warrior. Verse 43, he said to David, am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And this is where a lot of people get the theory that Goliath was possibly almost blind because David's not holding a stick. And Anyway, that's a whole other conversation. And the Philistine cursed David with his God. He says, come here, and he said, and I will give your flesh to the birds and the wild animals. And we should have the revelation that we are not facing just an earthly battle in our lives. Goliath was completely oblivious to this spiritual battle that was going on, and so he cursed David because he couldn't wrap his head around the fact that this was also a spiritual battle. The battles, the giants, the, the obstacles that you are facing in life, I want you to understand this morning, they are not only physical, they are spiritual, and that is why faith is such an important part of being bold. If we are going to be bold, we will need faith that sees beyond our giants. Faith that sees beyond the struggles that we have, beyond the hardships. Faith that sees that God is on our side. That Jesus has overcome the world and that we have victory in him. If we want to be bold and we do not have faith to see beyond our struggles and our giants, it will be very difficult for us to act boldly. If we only see our giants, if we only see our struggles, if we only focus on, how, you know, what we have to overcome, we do not see, if we do not see the power that we have in Christ, we do not have an accurate picture. Your giants, your struggles today, I want you to recognize they are not only physical. So faith in God is something that we must have. In 2 Kings chapter 6, we read the story of Elisha and his servant, and they are in, the, in this little town of Dothan, and they are being surrounded by the Erminium um, army, um, they surround the, the city. Now you know things are bad for Elisha when a king sends his entire army to kill you. And so this army comes at nighttime and it surrounds him. And then he, verse chapter, 2 Kings chapter 6, verse 14, then he, the king, sends horses and chariots and a strong force there. They went by night and surrounded the city. Look at verse 15. Then the servant of the man of God, Elisha, The servant of the man of God got up, went out early in the morning. An army with horses and chariots had surrounded the city. Oh no, my Lord, what shall we do? The servant asked. Verse 16, don't be afraid, the prophet answered. Those who are with us are more than those who are against us. And Elijah prayed, open his eyes, Lord, so that he may see. And then the Lord opened the servant's eyes. And he looked and he saw the hills full of horses and chariots of fire all around Elisha. My prayer for you, and my prayer for myself, and my prayer for us as a church, is that we would pray and ask God to open our eyes, to see what God has done for us. That we would pray and ask God to open our eyes so that we could see the, the force, the power, the, the strength, the might of the Lord that is on our side. I know sometimes when we come into cultural battles and we come into some of those kind of things, we can feel defeated, but folks, we have the... The God of the universe, we have the Alpha and the Omega, and he is fighting on our behalf. And so to be bold, we must recognize that it is not only a physical battle, it is a spiritual battle. And So we must strengthen our faith. We may face challenges which appear so overwhelming, and we may feel at times that we are no match for them. But the victory of David and Goliath should inspire us you know, to have confidence, to have greater confidence in the battle that we face. Remember, the greater the battle, the more glorious our victory will be. So we should not run away from challenges that we face, but boldly instead we go forward to face the enemy, to triumph over our enemy. When Goliath fell, and this is really important for us to recognize, when Goliath fell, the entire Philistine army in a sense fell with him. And here's something I want you to not miss this morning. What if some of your giants, the giant that you are facing, when that giant falls, you may find that you have victory in many other areas of your life as well? See, sometimes we allow that one giant to to dominate our lives, and he just dominates and he dominates, but when Goliath fell, the entire Philistine army was weakened, and suddenly the entire Philistine army army was, was vulnerable to attack, and the Israelites easily went in and overcame I wonder if in some of our lives we have these giants that we just haven't faced. We just haven't gone up against them. And we're, we're fighting all these little battles on the side. But we need to go and we need to fight that giant. Recognizing it will take faith in God. It will take strength that is beyond our own. But if we tackle that giant and if we overcome that giant, it's possible that we are going to find that we have victories in many other areas because it's a domino effect and it's beautiful. So I want to talk to us really quickly then about how do you grow your faith. If you're sitting here today, okay, you've convinced me. My, my battles, my struggles, my, my, whatever I'm going through in life isn't just physical. It's, there's also a spiritual aspect, and I need to have faith, and, and I need to you know, have strong faith, and I need to live by faith, and I need to see through the lens of faith what's possible. Okay, so how do I grow my faith? I'm going to give you three simple steps, and if I know you well enough, you're all going to be disappointed. Because they're so simple, you're going to be like, come on, pastor. Can't you do better than this? But here's the simple thing. If you're hungry, do you need something extraordinary? You just need to do something simple, right? It's called eat. You just need to eat. So number one, you're going to grow your faith. You need to read the Word of God. You need to read the Bible. I know, aren't you like, well, I, I didn't know. I'm looking at some of you and you're baffled. You're like, I've never heard of that before. But here's the thing. My guess is if I would have asked you, raise your hand if you feel that you need to grow your faith, almost all of you would put your hands up. If I would ask you how many of you feel that you don't read your Bible enough, I bet you almost all of you would put your hands up. So it's one of these simple things that is so simple that we often forget to do it. Look at what it says in Romans chapter 10 verse 17. Consequently, faith comes from hearing the message. And the message is heard through the word of Christ. We cannot grow in our faith if we are not immersing ourselves in scripture. We cannot grow in our faith if we are not reading The Bible. And I know again, it's so simple, some of you are tempted to tune me out. So I want to challenge you again what I did years ago, and I want to keep throwing this in front of you. Five minutes a day. For some of you, that would be like, whoa, I can't even begin to only read five minutes a day. You continue to do what you're doing, you read for as long as you want. But for those of you that are struggling with the discipline of reading Scripture daily, spend five minutes a day reading the Bible. If you want to know where to start, start with the Gospel of John. Start with the book of James. Start with the book of 1 John. These are amazing passages. If you're going to start in Romans, if you're going to start in Leviticus, ooh, good luck. It's not that fun, you know. Some of those passages are a little bit more difficult, but if you are wondering where do I start, find these passages to read. Spend at least five minutes a day because what you're going to see is the more you read the Word of God, you're going to see over and over The victory, the power, the authority that is in the name of Jesus. And as you familiarize yourself more and more with the word of God, you're going to be more familiar with the power that is available and at your disposal. Amen. I know you're all waiting to say it, but five minutes a day. The second one is this. Study the word of God. There's a big difference between just reading the word of God and studying the word of God. Um... When you read the Word of God, when you read the Bible, you read it and you often you, know, you quickly go over it and, and you kind of just look at it and you familiarize yourself with the passage and you're like, okay, yep, thank you very much, that was great. But when you study the Word of God, it goes much deeper than that. To study the Word of God is often, you know, I take something just a passage, just one verse or, or one, one um, passage or one you know, chapter, that's the word I'm looking for, and just read it over and over and what is this saying to me? What is the author's intention here? You don't need to know all the background. You don't need to know all the language. You don't need to know all those things. They're important, but not necessarily if you for yourself just want to study the Word of God. But if you're studying the Word of God, you read a passage, you're like, I don't understand this. And very often if you have a Bible like mine, you'll see little numbers. Use those little numbers because that will actually connect you to other parts of the Bible and you'll be able to connect that, you know, and read those. And oh, here it speaks about grace again. Here it speaks about grace again. And you begin to become more and more and more aware of the Bible. So things like when was it written, why was it written, who was it written to, these are important and it's good to know these. And most Bibles in the introduction, they have that information. So spend time studying the Word of God. And then number three is probably the hardest one, and that is you need to apply the Word of God, to apply the Word of God. This may be the hardest point, because as you study the Word of God, all of a sudden you're like, oh, it's telling me to do this, but I don't really feel like doing that. It's telling me that I can do this, but I don't really believe that I can do that. But listen to what it says in James chapter 1, verse 22. Do not merely listen to the Word and so deceive yourself. Do what it says. Anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like someone who looks at this face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. But whoever looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it, not forgetting what they have read, heard but doing it, they will be blessed in all that they do. This is such an important part because one of the things that you need to understand and what that is saying is this. By doing, by applying the word of God, you're not going to forget it as quickly. If we begin to apply what we read, if we study, you you know, we read something, we study it, and then we apply it to our lives, those passages are not going to be, you know, forgotten as quickly. So I want to just remind you all this morning that if you want to, or challenge us, if you want to grow in your faith, if you want to face these giants in your life and you want to have faith to see what God sees, if you want to have faith to see what's possible for you, you will not get there on your own. You must read the Word of God. You need to study the Word of God. And you need to apply the Word of God into your life. So I want to ask us, for in closing, two simple questions and here's, here's the first one. When you look at your own life, what do you see? When you look at your own life, what do you see? Do you see just the struggles? Do you see just the hardships? Do you see only the losses? Do you see the failures, the brokenness, the illness, the rebellion? Do you see only the giants? Do you have an image of yourself That only sees all the limitations? Do you have images of yourself that only sees all the brokenness, that sees only all the despair? When you look at your life, what do you see? Now, I want you to kind of turn that around and begin to wonder now, what if today, what if today you would begin to ask God, Give me eyes to see what you see? Give me eyes to see what you can still do with this brokenness. Give me eyes to see what you are capable of doing with the mess that I have in my past. Give me eyes to see what you can do with the weaknesses that I have. Give me eyes to see, God, beyond what I see. Give me eyes to see beyond my giants. Give me eyes to see beyond the battle that is ahead of me right now. Because when David approached Goliath, I believe that he was already looking farther than just the giant. God had given him a vision of something greater. The second question I want us to ask us is, is for us as a church. What about us as a church? What do we see? We talked first about what do we see when we look at ourselves. Now I want you to kind of wrestle with the question, what do we as a church see when we look at ourselves? When we as a church just stop for a moment and focus on us, who we are, what, what God wants to do in our lives, what is it that you see this is an important question. I want us to just take a moment and just reflect for a bit as we go back into history a little ways and, and just think things through. Because what if we only see our obstacles, if we only see our challenges now, it's important for us to be reminded sometimes of what God has done for us in the past. So this week, what I did is pictures are a great way to do this. And just going through my photo album on my phone and just looking back, the mission trips, the events that we've had here Sunday morning moments and just flying through and there's you know hundreds and thousands of pictures and and you just kinda glance back And I spent time reflecting on all the different things that we've been involved in and I just want to take a few minutes and just kinda walk us past memory lane my guess is that if we were to look back only 10 years you know if we would have thought to ourselves then we were gonna be this involved in our community I have a feeling that many of us would said no we have nothing to offer our community and we can't do anything in, the, in, the, in Leamington. But with a little bit of leadership and with some vision, and being willing to fail, and just asking God, would you do in us more than what we're capable of doing in ourselves? Suddenly, Deer Run Church is well known in our community and is, is, is liked in our community, and we are involved, and God's doing incredible things in this community through us. I think if 10 years ago we would have said, you know what, on Sunday mornings, we're going to have like 800 people in this building, I think most of us would have said, you know, that's not possible because we didn't think that breaking 400 was possible. Now if we're not around the 800, if we're below 700, we're actually asking ourselves, going, whoa, what happened? What went wrong last Sunday? Why were there so few people? And suddenly what, it's not about numbers, but all of a sudden we're looking back going, wow, what was once seemed so impossible, now suddenly it seems like it's part of the norm. If we would have said a number of years ago that we'd have 200 kids in Sunday school and we'd have over 70 kids in junior high and, and all those kind of things, we would have probably looked at that and said, nah, not going to happen. That youth room up there is plenty big enough. Now they can't use it because it's too big. And On Sunday mornings having a hard time keeping the kids quiet during the, the first English service because all the noise and stuff like that and they're having to split up and go into different areas. If you would have asked us 10 years ago if we would send missionaries or short term mission trips into multiple different countries, something other than Latin America or those places that we were comfortable in, we probably would have said, no, that's not going to work. A couple years ago, we sent over 40 people to three different countries. Incredible. Beautiful. But with us as a church, we need to recognize that we're not done. The challenge is for any church, especially a growing church, is to focus on the obstacles. So for us here this morning, it's easy for us now to look at our obstacles and say, man, we're full, we don't have room, and this is maybe as good as it's going to get. But if you believe that, I want to remind you that God's not done with Deer Run Church. God's not done with Deer Run Church. And what seemed impossible maybe 10 years ago is now part of our lives. I want us to think that what we are going to do 10 years from now is maybe the very things we think are impossible now. But with God, they are possible And I believe that God is calling us to do something. What if our faith would allow us to see not what the obstacles are, but our faith would allow us to see what God sees. I heard a quote from Stephen Furtick once. He says, if your, I'm going to butcher it, sorry Stephen, if your plan for your life is not intimidating to you, it's probably insulting to God. And I think, man, that is so true. Some of you are like, man, I'm not a visionary. Don't give me this stuff. I'm going to freak out all day, you know. Um, I just want you to know it's important for us to have eyes to see and to ask God to give us eyes to see what he can see. So I want to bring up one little thing. We've been looking at drawings on how we can expand our building. And it's, it's been fun, and it's beautiful, and I think it's possible. So I want to show you concepts just from the outside, okay, concepts really quick of what could be. Okay, This is just what could be. There's a beautiful one coming up from the front. We put somebody on a bicycle in there just to show how eco-friendly we will also be. (laughs) Yeah, it's Pastor Peter. You know, we're doing good. Here's, Here's the thing. There's a price tag attached to that. And I'm not telling you what it is but it's doable. Here's one thing I want you to hear me say very carefully. Some of us will look at the building and say that's the obstacle, we can't build that. But here's the thing, there are contractors around the world that that's that's easy for them to do. The challenge for us isn't to build a building. That's just money and that's just work. The challenge for us is to have faith to see beyond building and money, to faith to see What is it, God, that you want to do in our hearts? How do you want us to use this building? What is it that you want to accomplish through this growth that we are experiencing? So I want to pray this morning that we would open ourselves up and say, God, we are asking you, show us the great things that you are willing to do. Show us the great things that you are working on. Because when we look back on history, we see God has been busy doing great things, and he continues to do great things. And what we want to do now is we want to open ourselves again to him and say, God, would you give us eyes to see what it is that you want to accomplish? So if we could just stand, and I want to pray, and then these guys are going to sing, And we're going to worship together one last time and I'll come up and give some instructions for lunch. Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much for the stories that we see in scripture. For the time and time again where we see how you led people and you accomplished things through the hearts of people. You did things that they saw were impossible but God, because they placed their faith in you they were able to do so much more than they could have ever, ever dreamed of. So Lord, I pray over Deer Run Church now. And I pray, God, that you would give us eyes to see what you see. That we would have faith to recognize that you want to do great things in our lives. That you have done great things. That we would celebrate and rejoice. So we just invite you, God, to show us, to give us a heart for you again and again and again. And we thank you for what you will do. In Jesus' name, amen.